Hey, it's Michael, and this is the Kintsugi Podcast. I'll be back in a minute with this week's conversation about resilience. But first, if you wish to create a better life and have a better career, then please visit michaelobrienshift.com and download your free workbook on how to create a better life. In it, you'll discover ways to find more energy for the things and the people who matter most to you so you can create a better tomorrow. Hey there, it's Michael and welcome back or welcome to the Kintsugi Podcast. It's time for another conversation about resilience. Last week I took it off to recover from my total knee replacement. I'm still in recovery mode. I'll share a little bit about where I am so far. We're also gonna talk about comparison because comparison gets in the way of us becoming more resilient. But first, the knee replacement, I'm bionic. Now, if you've been following along on YouTube, you know that I've been sharing my journey up to this moment in time. The first five weeks before my surgery on July 21st, I was working on mindset, flexibility, strength, again, documenting my whole journey, helping others that may have to go through something similar to what I went through. I wanted to make sure I was in the best possible condition so we can have the best possible outcome from the surgery. And going into the surgery, it was originally scheduled for the 12th of July. I got moved to the 21st because I needed custom parts. We had a base case situation for the surgery, and that was sobering. I'll share more about that in a sec. I had my visualization best case, and then we had a worst case. Worst case was I was going to lose the leg. The base case was reconstruction, skin graft, hope for no infections, no blood clots, all that jazz. Because if that stuff happened, then we were in worst case. Well, I'm happy to report that best case happened. The surgery that I visualized occurred. No reconstruction, no skin graft. It looks really great. I've shared some photos on Instagram. If you follow me there, I'm getting stronger day in and day out. So I'm so grateful that I spent that time prehabbing to get into the best possible shape for the surgery. Now, after the surgery, it was a little bit of, well, it was a tough row to hoe. I lost about 62 ounces of blood. We did it without a tourniquet because I have a femme popliteal artery bypass in that leg. And my vascular surgeon didn't want them to use a tourniquet. Usually they do to prevent or at least minimize blood loss. So we lost a lot of blood. My blood pressure went down wickedly. 87 over 53, I think was the lowest. I needed two blood transfusions. My red blood count levels all got whacked out really low. My hemoglobin dropped to 7.1. Normally it's around, for an average male, around 14, 15, around that neck of the woods. So half of normal, actually even less than half of normal. And I was also developing, once they moved me from an epidural to oral pain meds, and horrible reaction to oxycodone. I was taking the smallest dose and only just a little right before bedtime. And each morning I woke up like I had the worst hangover of my life. So there I was anemic and with the worst hangover of my life in the hospital. But I got really great care from the experts and the professionals at the Hospital for Special Surgery in New York. And I got to go home earlier than anticipated. Base case, I was probably gonna be in the hospital for 10 days with my leg immobilized. 
this case left in five days and able to bend it now only up to 40 degrees. So last week I had an office visit with a plastic surgeon who did all this stitching me up. He was like, this looks awesome. So now I have the ability to go into PT, which I start this week and I can already start moving the leg. So I'm already up to about 85 degrees of flexion from the 40 just a few days ago. And I know I can get close to a buck 15 or a buck 20 in terms of range of motion. And here's the wild thing. My left leg hasn't been able to be fully extended in 20 years. And now I can fully extend it, which means because of the initial trauma and this whole inability not to extend my leg, my left leg was shorter than my right leg. So I needed external lifts on all my kicks, on my shoes. And now I might not need those anymore. So here's the opportunity. I get to buy new shoes. I get to buy some new kicks. How cool is that? So that's where I am. I'm walking three times a day, about an hour each time, walking around the house with one crutch, not two. Stamina's coming back, sleeping better, flexing it more. I'm encouraged. And I will continue to share my journey with you here on the Consumer Podcast. But if you want to follow it along on YouTube, follow me there, subscribe there. And again, I'm doing this as a public service, just in case other people, which other people will have to, go through something very similar to what I'm going through. So that's that when it comes to my total knee replacement. But even as I recover, this whole concept of comparison seeps into the dialogue. Because a lot of people will ask, well, how are you doing against other people? And here's the thing. I'm only comparing myself against myself. Their cases are their cases. My case was definitely complicated. There's really not too many benchmarks. It wasn't a standard knee replacement. So what I'm trying to do is just compare my progress to how I was yesterday or how I was a week ago. Now, if you've followed the Olympics, now I followed the Olympics a lot over the last two weeks because I've been laid up. You probably know some of the stars like Simone Biles and Katie Ledecky and Molly, the U.S. marathoner who won the bronze medal. You might even be familiar with the beach volleyball team, the A-team, or those two high jumpers that tied and shared the gold medal, or Tom Daly from the UK. But you probably don't know a woman from Mauritania. If you don't know where Mauritania is, it's on the west coast of Africa. Her name is B.A. Huli, or Hulai, I believe, if I'm getting this right. I saw her run in the prelims of the 100 meters. I didn't even realize they did this, but there were close to 30 women, about nine women in each of the three heats from countries that are, well, less represented in the Olympics. So there she was in the Tokyo heat and humidity, racing in tights, long sleeves, and a hijab. And she finished last with a time of 15.26 seconds for the 100 meters. When the winner of her heat crossed the finish line, she wasn't even in the picture frame. And if that's all you saw of BA's performance, you might wonder if she was embarrassed because she was beaten so badly, so soundly. But if you take a moment to pause, breathe, reflect, which I did because I had many moments to do that, you might wonder how fast could you run 100 meters? I know I can't run 100 meters. I can't even run, let alone run in 15.26 seconds. You could probably also see that BA courageously set a personal best, as did six of the nine women in her heat. How remarkable is that? So through one lens, just her against all the other runners in the heat, 
she lost. Through another, she was victorious. She beat her personal best. The thing is, when it comes to comparison, it all depends on what we're comparing what to. Her performance against what performance? Against the other runners or against herself? For me, this was one of the shining moments of the Olympics. Yes, all the stars did all the things that the stars are supposed to do, and some other stories popped up. Some great stories about Simone and her self-care. She gets the self-care gold medal. But B.A.'s performance, to me, is also a gold medal achievement in personal development. I want to share a passage from the man in the arena, the speech that's famous. Brene Brown, I think, has made it famous from President Roosevelt. It is not the critic who counts. It's not the woman who points out how the strong woman stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the woman who's actually in the arena. That's what I give credit to BA for, to be in the arena and not get into this whole comparison trap. She probably knew going in she wasn't going to fare well against other runners, but she went in to represent herself and to represent her country. So when we get trapped into these unhealthy comparisons, it becomes like body armor that keeps us from fully participating in life, from fully showing up in the arena or wherever we may be showing up. Think about it. If you knew you were going to fare as B.A. did, that you were going to get beaten so soundly, would you have traveled all the way to Tokyo for, on the surface, appears just 15 seconds? Now, her 15 seconds will ripple far and wide. She'll inspire other girls in her country to run. But it was 15 seconds, one heat, one run. That's it. Would you have traveled all that way? Or would you have let comparison and self-doubt and self-talk get in the way? Now, when I was younger, I did my share of comparison. But when you think about it, before social, the group of people that we compare ourselves to was quite limited. You know, maybe family members, people in the neighborhood, although people in your neighborhood probably were economically aligned, maybe people at school, a little bit bigger of a population, more diverse. Maybe our parents, the people that they worked with, bosses, maybe people at church or your house of worship. And there were some celebrities, but the world was quite limited in terms of who we could compare ourselves against. I still did my whole share of comparison. I call it comparisonitis. And what it did is it got me sort of hooked into this not enough type of self-talk. It's like Goldilocks gone wild. Too much, not enough. Too much, too little. Just trying to find just right, knowing that we're all just right. Everything's right about us. But I was looking for just right. The thing about comparison is that there's always going to be someone faster, cuter, and smarter than we are. Now, when you think about social media now, that small world that we had in terms of having very few benchmarks to compare ourselves against, well, now with social media, the whole world, anyone that pops up into your feed can be used as a comparison. It can send us down that rabbit hole into comparisonitis. It's mushroomed in terms of the number of people we can compare ourselves to. All you need is a phone, and all you have to do is hit record or hit post, and your, uh, your filtered charm life is there for everyone to see. And of course, you don't have to do a Google search to know that other people get paid more than you do or are on bigger stages or have more followers or listeners. This is all part of life. There will always be someone who may be a little bit better or achieve a little bit more success. After all, with each event, there's only one gold medal passed out every four years, or in case of Tokyo, every five years. 
And here's the thing I want to share. Just because we can compare ourselves to someone or something, everyone in our feed, doesn't mean we need to. Doesn't mean we need to go down that rabbit hole. A better approach is comparing us against us. Comparing our work or potential to what we're capable of. For us to give ourselves permission to lean into the emotional labor, play in traffic, and do meaningful work and compare yourself with who you were yesterday and maybe who you wish to be tomorrow. Everything else is just noise, and there's a lot of noise out there. Let's face it, it's too noisy. Too noisy with messages that other people have it better or there's only so much to go around and that you're either too much or not enough. Of course, there's always someone to sell you a $297 course that can make all your dreams come true. They take advantage of the scarcity messages that are out there, which is troubling. So I say to them, forget you. You do you, boo. Ignore those messages. Silence the noise. Work on your silence and noise ratio. The more silence you have versus noise, you're probably going to be happier. And avoid comparing yourself to other people. Now, if comparison comes in the form of competition and the competition gets you going, because in sports there's competition, I would say go after it. But if it makes you feel that not everything is right about you, then I would say step away from that. Take a shift and remove those negative self-narratives from your backpack so you can be lighter, so you can become the best you can possibly be. And if you can work on just comparing yourself to yourself, that's your benchmark. If that's your focus, you'll be so much further ahead than so many other people. Because so many other people, which is a form of comparison, I know, are always comparing themselves to others. They're suffering from comparisonitis all the time as they scroll their feed. And then they don't have enough energy to invest in themselves to work on making themselves better today than they were yesterday. So I will say this to you. You got this and we got you. If you're a listener to the Kintsugi podcast, you are part of our family. And the only person you need to compare yourself to is you. Let all the other noise drop. You got this. As always, if you have a bad moment or two before our next conversation about resilience, come back to your breath. Remember to pause, breathe, and reflect. You got this and we got you, boo. And don't forget to have fun storming the castle. Thanks for listening and subscribing and sharing with your colleagues. Love you. Talk to you next week.